This is Jimmy Bullard, a.k.a. The Bulldog, and you are listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulham Focus Podcast. I am J-Mac, your host, sipping champagne and dipping my hot pitter in a tub of Waitrose Tamasolata. Tis the time of the year when the clocks go back, but no clock or appeal can save Marek Rodak. What a pillock. One silly mistake has not only started a second consecutive start for Mr. Silly Buggers, it has left Josh Onoma becoming Josh Anonymous. Not to mention started and needed three points, but results have gone our way once again. Morgan, Don and myself are here to discuss talking points from quite a self-explanatory borough game and previewing of Hull this Saturday, where we hope to start taking this league by the short and curlies. Here we go. Fulham. All right, guys. Well, I mean, look, not a great match for Fulham. Obviously, we will talk about Rodak and his red card. But before then, let's talk about the lineup. Uh, Done. It was a four-three-three once again. Adoy retained his spot at the back four. I mean, any anything that screams out to you from the starting lineup of this game? Uh, you know, there, there were a few things I thought was uh, interesting. Uh, Josh coming in. You know, I think mm-hmm. this is. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was this his very first official start? Yeah, first it was start, right. Yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he he got the official nod. You know. Scotty's been talking about him very positively since the beginning of time when he first came in. So I thought it was going to be interesting to see him for at least, I would have thought, you know, 70, 80 minutes. Sadly for him, that didn't work out. We'll get to that. Uh, mm-hmm. Another one was Knockhart being on the bench. Okay. You know, interesting. Um, I didn't think he did a whole lot wrong in the last game, although he hasn't been doing a whole lot right either. So, Okay. And then the other one we'll get to talking to uh, here, Rodic, you know, he got to keep his spot between the sticks. So good for him, uh, or mm. would have been good for him. <laughs> yeah, so quite. Those are, I guess, you know, going to be our three main talking points, I would think, about the game. Is Josh got to come in, Knockhart was to the bench, and Rodic, uh, Rodic got to maintain his uh, spot between the sticks. Would I, you agree, I'm... Morgan? Yeah, I mean... I think I think one of the other big talking points is going to be uh, the resilience of the team as well. I don't think we should need to dwell on. Well, we will have to sort of like focus on some of the stuff that happened during the game, but I think we also need to look at the positives of coming away with a point when we are down to ten men for you know seventy minutes plus. Uh, so I think you know there will be positives to be drawn from it as well. Middlesbrough is not an easy place to go. Uh, wet and windy day up there. It's, it's it'd be pretty horrible. And I, th- I think that may, you know, may be one of the reasons that Knockhart might've found himself on the bench. You know, he, he looked like he might've been due arrest. And I think that kind of game was, uh, you know, a great opportunity just to sort of uh, blood on a Marin for what, uh, for a game. Uh, it obviously didn't work out so well for mm. him, which is a shame because I was looking forward to seeing him. He came on against Luton. He, you know, he showed some little bright, uh, bright spots in his play. Yeah. He looked and good. I th- he did, and he was kind of. There was. Uh, I think he's. You know, he earned his right uh, to start, and you know, unfortunately, he didn't really get the length of time he would have liked. But I think, in terms of Dennis Adoy starting, yeah, fine with that. I think um, he's he's a solid enough right back uh, at this level. I think Cess possibly needs a little bit more time. 
but he'll get his opportunities and you know in much the same way him and doi has and i think you know just it'll start rotating a little bit in terms of rodak you know no reason that he shouldn't have started that it would have been a bit strange if he'd um bought bet straight back in um he didn't do anything particularly wrong against luton to be honest, the two goals that were scored, maybe the second one could have done a little bit better with commanding a six-yard box, but it's it's one of those things. But it would have been a bit silly, I think, if uh, Betts had found himself way uh, back in already. Yeah, and Don, with going quickly to Sessegnon, I mean, do we think that actually it will become an issue with Adoy where they actually rotate quite a lot? Or do you find that actually Sessegnon might be a bit out of his depth we might need to recruit in January? For a right back, I, I I would hope he's. Everybody wouldn't say he's right out of his depth. I mean, he's young. He's he's learning, but uh, I think this is a great level for him to you know be learning his, his talents and developing his talents. So hmm. I, I hope people aren't writing him off and saying, "Oh my God, no, no, send him back to the U twenty threes or yeah, you know wh- whatever they they think he shouldn't be playing." I, I still think. Scotty has to do a you know, good job of rotation. You know, this is a very long, arduous, you know, journey down the Champions League or Championship side. So yeah. Champions League just yet. Yeah, Champions League. <laughs> I wish we were there. God, I wish we were there. At any rate, uh, in this league, you know, you can't just have these guys playing three games a week in and out, in and out every week and every month. So I have no problem with rotating. Uh, you know, we're going to see more of Josh. I know that people seem to think that they've already written him off you know he's no good how can you have written that guy off when what have we seen him maybe a total of 40 minutes 30 minutes if if that so don't write these guys off just yet please fair enough and look i'm gonna say I'm, i was really pleased i mean i think knockout didn't have the worst game in the world against Luton, but certainly wasn't at the races like he has been before. And I was really pleased to see Cavallero on the right and Bobby Reed on the left. That was something because I alluded to last week with the stats of Cavallero on the right-hand side in this league, are something quite phenomenal, in my opinion. Uh, let's talk about, I mean, look, look, this basically destroys the game 17 minutes in. It's Rodak, it's the red card. And I'm just interested to know, Morgan, do you think on another day, this could be seen as a very good save. Obviously, it's clumsy and it's definitely a red, but the idea behind it is there. I mean, just a, a couple of inches. Do you see what I'm going for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think one of those. Uh, the thing is, you look at the replay and he yeah. hesitated for a split second. If he'd committed to coming out, he probably would have got there first. But there was just that little st- uh, you know, stammer in, in his step. And you just say, oh, if he had just gone for it rather than suddenly second guess himself, then I think he would have got there. It was unfortunate. You know, it's it was a little bit he the defense didn't really help him out there. That's why he was sort of felt he needed to rush out. If he'd stayed on his line, maybe one of them would have got back. But I'm not going to say it's, you know, youthful exuberance or anything like that, because the guy, even though he's young, he has got two full seasons of first team football under his belt. And, yeah. you know, it may, it was at a good level, you know, it was at, in League One, he got promoted with Rotherham, and then obviously he went down with Rotherham last year, but he's been playing week in, week out for two years now, and he would have racked up far more appearances than Betts or, you know, any of our other keepers. So there is no reason to suggest that, you know, he shouldn't be sort of uh, fit for this level. And I just think, you know, it it is hard, you know, when a team like us, needs a keeper to come in they need to be you know on point straight away 
They are under a lot of pressure. The whole team is under pressure to go straight back up and far more pressure on his shoulders playing for us than he did at Rotherham. And so I think that's going to sort of tell a little bit. I think, you know, he's obviously a talented keeper from what we've heard. And so I wouldn't, you know, I'm certainly not running him off. I think he just needs to sort of get his head back in the game, take his three-game ban, which I assume it is three games because of the straight red, um, and then come back with, you know, head screwed on, just go, right, mistake, I will, you know, forget about it and move on. It's just a shame. It could have happened at any time. It's just a shame for him that it happened so early in only his second league start. Yeah, hugely unfortunate. And, you know, it's quite ironic, isn't it, Dunn? Because he's... What Marder, uh, what Marit Rodak is guilty of is everything that Marcus Bettinelli has been criticised for, uh, for as of late. Uh, I mean, on another, this could have exactly been a sort of fl- uh, flaw presented to us by Marcus Bettinelli, don't you think? Oh, yeah. If you recall, wasn't it uh, one of our preseason games where, due to our style of play, okay, and what I mean by that is because we use or we like to use and, or when we have all four guys in the back, them as more as wingbacks. They're in more of the attack, okay? We can get caught out. We've seen that a lot. We get caught out on the breakaways. Well, due to that, we've got to have what's called the sweeper keeper. You know, we just can't have a regular old keeper who stays behind uh, between the sticks. He's got to be ready to come out and help defend. And some of those times is outside the box. So if you recall, one of the very first uh, games, matches we had, it was a friendly, I believe. It wasn't in the league. Betts came out and didn't he get like called for handling a ball or something? Yeah, it was you yeah, know on the Brian, wasn't it? Or oh, it was against one of those teams. It was that old. Yeah, he he come out yeah. and they said, "Oh, you handled the ball or something," you know, and yeah, it was a direct kick or or you know an indirect kick or whatever. But still, anybody can make these mistakes. What he did was he saw, "Oh crap, they're coming. I need to come out." Yeah, he hesitated, but he came out well. Unfortunately, his right arm is kind of dragging uh, a little bit up in the air. It's hard really to say whether or where he it hit him. I, I honestly couldn't tell from the TV angles or anything like that. So I think it was the palm of his hand. <laughs> it was a good It was clear. My, my point day. is, you know, anybody could have made that same mistake, okay? Don't go down on the guy and just write him off, like I said, with everybody else. He's going to have his day again, I'm sure. The question's yeah. going to be right now for Scott. Yep. Betts has got three games now to prove himself that he should retain his number one. If he does that, does he just stick with Betts and say, okay, this is it. You're my number one. Or does he give, you know, Rodick another try and put him between the sticks again? I can't say that's something Scott's going to have to determine. The, the one question I've got that we may or may not know the answer to is did Parker replace Betts because he thought Rodak was ready for a first-team opportunity, or did he replace him because he thought that Betts wasn't good enough for one? I think that, personally, that Marcus had just made too many errors leading up until this moment where he switched, and I think it was obviously possibly a confidence issue going on with Marcus, and he wanted the Rodak to come on. Because I don't think Rodak and Marta Bettinelli are actually very different at all in styles. They're great shot stoppers. They're fairly good with their feet. Rodak, probably actually less so than Bettinelli, because Bettinelli's had more experience with it, certainly in the Slav team as last season. But yeah, there's, there's not huge amounts between them, but everyone seems to love Rodak a little bit more. So... I don't know what that's, Scott I mean, that's probably, that's probably due to the fact that everyone seems to be getting on Betts' back again now. And so I think... <sighs> I think the problem we have, 
and this is just my opinion on it, is that since Mark Schwartz left, we've never replaced our keeper with a proper number one. We've had so many come in and sort of play a few games, not being very good, get drafted out. And I think, you know, from or it was Jesse Joran and even Stockdale. I mean, obviously he was sold under a bit of a cloud. Then we had Lonergan. Button. We had Joe Button. Lewis. Button. You know, Button. We... Say Button. Button. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Poor David Button. Um, <laughs> we've just never had a great number one. And I think one of the things you get with these keepers, they learn so much from each other. And keeper, like even uh, I guess it was Stockdale, whoever was at the time with Schwartz, would have learned so much from training with him. None of these keepers are able to learn from an experienced number one who's come come to us because we haven't had a proper one. I mean, no one's going to, I mean, you might learn from Lonergan from terms of coaching, but you're not going to look at him and go, wow, this is someone who I want to, you know, I want to be. And yeah. when we had Van der Sar, when we had Schwartz, you know, even Anthony Amy to an extent, you know, it's sort of like these are sort of top quality keepers. But well, hold on, let me let me just in, if I may. You just, want button, I think, don't you? Well, no, I don't. I mean, <laughs> I, I, leave me alone. The thing is, Fabry was a, is a thirty-one-year-old Champions League uh, playing goalkeeper who we got from uh, Besiktas. But the thing is, that just didn't work out. And I find it actually fascinating to this day that through three managers, that Fabry obviously is just complete. Fabry's clearly insane. Like he obviously just doesn't know how to goalkeep behind behind closed doors because he must be doing something terribly wrong for three managers not to find him rate him at all. Even though the whole of the Besiktas fan base love him and he's played in the Champions League, it's absolutely because they're all crazy as well. So. Well, there you go. Yeah, maybe yeah. that is it. But it's strange. I mean, like because I think Fabry would have been that sort of answer, someone to learn from, thirty-one years old, that sort of thing. But you're right, we haven't got that experienced old head in, and not necessarily that. We need that. But I mean, because it's not like Marcus Bettinelli is a spring chicken. Marcus Bettinelli turns 28 in May, I believe. So, but I see where you're coming from. And maybe in January, I mean, there was actually a bit of a uh, a poll that was released on Twitter recently saying that actually a goalkeeper is where we need to improve in January. What What are your thoughts on that, Mr. Don? I, I see exactly what Morgan is saying. And he's right. We haven't really had that aging keeper who was starting to slowly, you know, slow down. And we kept around that helped develop the younger keepers. We we just basically moved on from Mark and we started hitting keeper after keeper after keeper. And then we brought in the old pajama pants guy. And then we, you know, we were all over the place when it came to keepers. Okay. I do think we need to find that Mark Schwarzer kind of guy who is about 30, 32, somewhere in there, you know, is Starting to be on the outskirts. Maybe he's starting to sit on the bench more for one of the upper tier teams. You know, doesn't have to be just English. Could be in the Spanish leagues or something. And comes in and helps us kind of steady the boat and becomes like that hand that, you know what? If I need a go-to guy, he's my guy. But he's also pushing the competition. He's up the competition for these younger guys to be able to compete with to get between the sticks. So I do think we need somebody, I personally do at least in January, who could be that kind of person. Now, asking that question, do I have the answer? Could I say, oh, it's so-and-so? No, I, I don't have a, a complete answer. Danny seems to like, um, what's his name? Uh, help me out. Uh, Which one? Joe Hart? Joe Hart. Da- Danny seems yeah. to like Joe Hart. Joe Hart does have a lot of experience. He would fit that bill. You know, he's mm. played in the championship. He's played in all these other competitions. He's won, you know, the Premier League. 
So I can see where Danny's coming from. If if you want to talk experience, there's a guy with experience, you know? There's a guy with experience, but there's certainly a guy with ego as well. And I'm not sure if you'll oh, take absolutely. Playing, yeah, and playing second fiddle in the championship to Marcus Bennett. Because let's not forget, Joe Hart was actually, I mean, in my opinion, his career was completely ruined by Pep Guardiola for him sussing him out for not being good with his feet. And our whole style was reliant on a goalkeeper good on their feet. But maybe if someone of Joe Hart's caliber was able to be a sort of a mentor and also a sort of backup keeper, that would be great. I mean, personally, I mean, there are options out there that, you know, contracts expire quite soon, actually, as soon as next year. There's Carl Darlow for Newcastle, who knows what it's like to get promoted in the championship under Rafa Benitez. I think that's a good option. Um, There are just, you know, I think, you know, Reese is really, you know, really keen on Wayne Hennessy purely because he's Welsh. But I mean, the only, I just, you know, it's ridiculous. He's also a half decent keeper as well, which, you know, yeah, I know, just I know Baldwin a... always goes on about sort of, you know, Welsh players, but I would actually say he is a decent keeper. But are we getting anything overly different from Betts in that point? And that's we the take someone like that. And, you know, Betts that's has, um, Betts has experience of being promoted. He was part of a team that uh, went 23 games unbeaten and went up through the playoffs. You know, Darno did well. And he got promoted, you know, for uh, as champions. And great. I mean, you know, he's obviously a decent keeper, but he was playing in a very good team as well. But we need someone, if we are going to bring someone in at all, I mean, the reason I don't think we did uh, over the summer is because of our financial fair play uh, situation. If we're going to do something, we're going to have to bring someone in on loan, uh, whether there are, I can't remember how many loan spots we have left, but there is certainly, you know, a situation arising where we may not have any spots left we may not sign someone because you know we don't want to fork out money for a keeper yes we don't have the two best keepers in the league but do we have two keepers that between them can do a decent job i mean i'm you know I, i'm just too early for me to say whether i'm a fan of rodak i'm not the biggest fan of bets but at the same time you know is this the situation that needs to be rectified. And the only time I would actually say yes would be if we get a top quality keeper. And I think that's going to be very difficult. All right. I'm going to say one last thing. And the last thing I'm going to say is I just don't think personally that that is something we need to be worrying about right now. I, I just think we've got other problems on the field that are more important to me that I think need to be addressed, you know, and we'll talk about in other pods, like left back, you know, we don't really have a strong replacement if something happens to Joe Bryan. So for me, I just think there's other things Parker needs to be concentrating on rather than the keeper between the sticks. I think there are two capable bodies there. Well, I'm really glad you said that because I just, before we move on to, you know, Scott Parker's performance here as a manager, is that Joe Bryan, someone that I adore, and I think a lot of Fulham fans love Joe Bryan because he gives us such a lovely wing-back sort of role and he just goes forward, he crosses, he's great, he's got a lot of flair as well. The only thing is, if Joe Bryan was in place to actually help Rodak out, we wouldn't be talking about different goalkeepers as much as we are right now. And I have noticed that actually Joe Bryan has been found wanting on his defensive duties because obviously he likes to go forward quite a lot. I mean, you know, there was someone, a, a Bristol City fan once told me that, you know, Joe Bryan was always a left midfielder, you know, for Bristol City. And Johnson actually just put him there to cover their lack of options. And that's how he developed eventually, uh, eventually as a left back. So Joe Bryan is used to going forward. And I feel that actually Joe Bryan is becoming potentially a tiny bit of a liability towards us. And I don't want to discuss actually, you know, we don't have to discuss transfers and, you know, cause I do agree if Joe Bryan does get injured, we are in trouble. We do need a replacement, but 
Don, do you think there's any argument here that Joe Bryant has actually a lot of paper over the cracks for his attacking flair, but actually defensively, he wasn't there for Rodak to help him out. And he actually did that a couple of times in the last few games as well. What are your thoughts on that? Just those, are, those are fair points. You know, he, he does get caught out, but the problem is it's our style of play. So with our style of play, he's being demanded to get up top, to get uh, more into the attack, to be able to be up top, to cut in, you know, uh, and uh, drive a ball inside. So, you know, that's really hard. Unless you're a guy who's got that kind of pace, it's going to be super hard to be able to go all the way up in the attack and come all the way back in the defense just like that, you know, and recover. And this is where we need, in my mind, this kind of style of play. It used to be K-Mac. Uh, now it's kind of become Harry uh, Arter who's doing it. You need that guy who kind of sits back, plays the, you know, stopper position and breaks up the plays as they're coming back at you. And so, oh, yeah. you know, you can give Joe – some some stick. Oh, you got caught out. Well, he got caught out because we're trying to demand him to be in the attack. You know, we want these guys up in the attack. So it's really hard to be able to do both. So in my uh, mind, I'm good with Joe the way he is. I have no problem with it. Uh, you can't be constantly coming back 90 minutes the whole game. You're going to burn out. But we do have to get a uh, acceptable or, you know, some type of replacement in case he is hurt during this long season. You know, currently, if he's hurt, I don't know you, what their plan is to move MLM out there and keep Reem in the center back. You know, I don't think that's a good cover for, for Brian in that position. So no. that, I do think that is one of the more important places that they need to concentrate on. Okay. All right. And quickly, just before we go on Scott Parker, one more thing, Morgan, it's quite astounding how good Harrison Reed has been in this sort of uh, number six sort of role for us. I mean, he's really just like blooming and blooming every week for us at the moment. I think he's probably at the moment looking like our, one of our best new signings, wouldn't you say? Yeah, for sure. I mean, at uh, both Norwich and Blackburn, the fans loved him. And yeah. that was when, you know, he was you know, a lot younger. Well, he was you know, a year, two years younger then. He's maturing as a player. We've got him at a good time. He is certainly come in and when we first saw him play i think it was like oh okay he looks half decent and you know in a matter of like you know one or two games he turned into that rock in front of the defense mm. and that i mean it's great to see obviously but it's also making the case for him starting over harry arter even stronger um, yeah. whereas you know i quite like arter i thought he came in did really well in his first few games reed's also come in done really well now in the last few games so it's kind of that's a that's a tricky one i mean it's kind of it's one of those positions where it's slightly unusual to have such good competition and i think we were all a bit surprised when k-mac came on against uh luton i think it might have it almost felt like it was his last hurrah because it was in a game where you know we were at the time three one up and it's the only sort of time he's going to see any action over the rest of the season unless there's injuries or suspensions so i think we've we've got that position nicely sorted, which is probably a bit of a relief when you look at sometimes the mistakes that Reem and uh, Mawson are capable of. But I think it's, it's good to have a good, uh, a solidity there just because it frees up the wingers, especially to do what they need to do. And also gives Kearney and whoever else is playing in the center with them, just that sort of right to roam. And yeah, yeah I mean, it, it does allow for us to play our type of football and at the same time uh, bringing down the risk level, yeah. um, which I mean, uh, will happen. 
Yeah, he has the steel of K-Mac, it seems, but with just a lot more pace. And at times, looks like that number eight. He looks like he's been taking notes from Stefan Johansson at times. He made an absolutely amazing tackle towards the end of the Borough game. I loved it. Um, all he right, did Dr. us proud. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. And I think, you know, going back to losing, I think K-Mac coming on, I mean, like, you know, I think it was probably a nice little sort of nod to him. Plus, you know, everyone likes to sing at the moment about his Jaeger addiction and um, his Voltaire addiction and, and the fact he has a massive, well, massive I job, still, you know. I, st- I still stand by the fact that he has never recovered from that last Vegas trip. No, I he's, think he, he got he got a taste for it, and he is it was just being so funny. It was so funny watching him on the sidelines, laughing to that song being sung to him. But also, Stephanie Hansen having to be—you could see Stephanie Hansen being told what the song was and what they were saying, and you could just see him <laughs> bursting into tears, laughing. It was great. Anyway, um, yeah. So, Don, let's talk about Scott Parker. I mean, this is actually a very—you know—every uh, week the fans are like Jekyll and Hyde. One moment they're on Scott Parker's back, the next minute they love him. You know, Scotty Parker's Blue Army. Yeah, everyone loves him or hates him each week. But we've learned something from his capability of this. I mean, he, we went 75 minutes with 10 men and we, we were good. You know, defensively, it's, it's something to show for his capabilities as a manager to change things up, surely. A lot of people yeah, seem yeah. to think oh, that... Uh, I'm sorry. A lot <laughs> no, of people yeah, seem to ahead. think... Yeah, I'm going to just keep going. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people seem to think that, uh, you know, Parker is, a, you know, just only got one thing and one thing in, in under his uh, uh, belt or in his mind all the time. And that's possession, possession, slow, methodical, blah, blah, blah. But mm. he's shown twice now that he could adjust. The first time was when we were losing at home, he turned around and he went to a back three. I know a lot of people don't like the back three, but he brought this on. We went more attacking and we won. You know, I thought it was very good. The second time was this last time. Rona gets a red card. We've got to adjust. He sacrifices Josh. Sadly, he had to come off, but he adjusted nicely and he got the team back on track. He got them focused, uh, you know, and yeah, we were able to get a point out of something that I really thought, well, that was it. We've blown it. We're going to lose this one too. So everybody wants to jump on his back. Yes, he's a young uh, manager. Yes, this is his real first shot at, uh, you know, tough competition he only came from the U18s of Tottenham, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's basically went straight from a player to a, a manager. I think he's still doing very well, and I'm still going to support the guy. I think he's still got a lot to learn, but I think he's learning very quickly and he's adjusting as fast as he can. So he's got my support. All right. And, you know, with the clean sheet, I mean, I think personally it's a good result. A lot of people be impatient right now. A lot of people think, but we're very lucky that no one yet is running away with this league. So I think, I don't know if it's actually the quality isn't there this year or either the quality is so there that it's just no one's actually running away with it just yet. You know, Morgan, I was reading that too on uh, on uh, one of the forums that they uh, some people think the quality of the league isn't there. Why is the quality of the league not there? Because one person's not running away from the damn league. I think it actually shows that the quality of the league Getting has better. increased from top mm. to bottom. And that, you know, there's better competition there, that there is not one single unit that is just killing everybody, okay? No, there isn't a Manchester City or a Liverpool right now running away with it. I personally think that's a good thing. I think that means the competition is more stringent and more competitive across the whole board. Yeah. And the championship, sorry, just over here, but the championship is a traditionally incredibly competitive league because at the end of it, there is a place in the richest league in the world available. And... You know, obviously the players want to test themselves at that level. The chairman and the owners of the club definitely want to be in that level. And so they are producing teams, even at the lowest, you know, in the lower reaches of the championship. There are teams there 
that still want to be in the Premier League. They're not sort of teams that's trying to try to make up the numbers. So I think you're seeing, you know, teams desperate to get out of this league. Um, yeah. So I think that's why we're seeing competitive games, even when it's like Barnsley West Brom, you know, sort of Barnsley aren't there to, they obviously want to just stay up to start with, but you know, at the end of the day, they've seen teams that have managed to go up and that's why they sort of like saying, you know what, we're not just lying down and taking it. We're going to push these teams, even the ones at the top of the league, we're going to push them and see what we can get from it. But going back to the, quickly going back to the Scott Parker thing, I mean, at the end of the day, as a player, he was so resilient. You know, he was, you know, he was kind of short stature guy. He went around in circles a lot, passed backwards, but he wasn't, you know, anything but resilient. And I think that's where you see a bit of grit in our team when it's needed, because he would have drummed that into them where, you know, he's learned the type of football that he wants to play and that's possession football. And that's great. But he knows what to do if the shit hits the fan, you're down to 10 men after just over 15 minutes and you go, you know what? We're not going to play our style of football because we will get picked up, uh, picked out. And uh, yeah. And so I think he's done very well uh, probably as a coach, putting his experience from his playing career onto the players, as well as imparting his, uh, the stuff that he's learned as a coach. Yeah, that's great. You know, J-Mac for me, one, I'll say one last thing about Scotty. Yeah, yeah. There are certain players or people that when they played, I admire for the way they played. And you, you'll, if when I throw out these names, I think you'll see a pattern. The people I really admire, uh, you know, in my lifetime so far, Brian McBride, you know, uh, I put Danny Murphy in there and I put um, actually Parker in there with them. Okay. And the reason I say these kind of players is because they weren't the type of players that if they took a knock, they were rolling all around. They were flopping, you know, they were the guys who they got back up and they got back into the game and they didn't say a lot. They didn't nip at other people about uh, this or that. They led by example. Okay. Yeah. I don't know that we really have that person on the field right now, but I'll tell you what, we've got him as a coach, as a manager. If you're listening to gentleman, Jim, in the background, he is nonstop coaching, nonstop talking. He wants to be on that field so bad. You can just hear it through the microphones and stuff. So, yeah. okay, he's still young. He's still learning. But I'll tell you what, if the players play with half the heart that he's got, I think we're going to be just fine this season. And I could see us doing very well overall under him. Yeah, mate, here, here. And, I, you know, even at the cottage at Lucent when I was there, you can hear him screaming away. It's good to see. And, you know, as his qualities as a captain in the past, he's certainly no granite Xhaka at the moment. I can tell you that. He's, he's, oh, poor Xhaka. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's a warm way to lose the captaincy. Just throw at the fans. It's fine. To be a gunner right now. Anyway, look, just really quickly, Mr. Morgan, what are your thoughts? Do you think it's a good point away? Because the only thing I was thinking at one point was West Brom were actually winning their game with 10 men. And I thought, oh, okay, well, if they can do it, so could we. That was me, Sean Connering it there. So could we. So could we. But the thing, the thing is, we're away from home. We're at Borough. And eventually, actually, West Brom got a draw in the end with their 10 men. So just long story. Basically, what do you think? Good point. Uh, long story short, I think it was a good point. I think yeah. you go down 10 men after 60 minutes, it's a different kettle of fish to going down to 10 men after 17 minutes. It's a yeah. lot of uh, football in what were particularly unpleasant conditions by the looks of it. You know, yeah, it's, you know, and Middlesbrough no slouches. I mean, it's not the easiest place to go. Uh, we don't have the best record up there. Um, and although well, that shouldn't really make a difference. But, 
the thing is, we came away from with a point where, in any other circumstances, we may have just you know rolled over and sort of you know taken a two three nil loss or whatever, just because we didn't have the energy to keep up. But we dug in and we got that point. And whilst you know three points, when we were talking about this, maybe uh, just before the uh, whatever it was, not the Luton game, the one before that Stoke game, we mm. said we ideally have seven points from those three games. We ended up with four. The Stoke game was awful. The Luton game, we got three points. And then, you know, we managed to get a point from that one. So it's not the end of the world. We're still, what, four points off top. So I think, you know, so results are going our way, but we just need to capitalise and sort of stop, you know, getting letting these silly results happen. Yep. And, you know, we've also discovered through this lovely little website that we are actually third in the table when it comes to form at the moment. So we are, mm. we're, we're not in a bad place as everyone makes out. I just think the fan base this season are incredibly impatient, incredibly disturbed after um, last season's uh, massacre. <laughs> so I understand where the impatience comes from. We spent a lot of money, but hopefully I have every faith that we can definitely be amongst and it. And football fans field. are fickle. We are yeah. a fickle bunch. And yeah. We've, I think we've seen uh, in recent times that I don't know if ours are especially fickle, uh, but there is there has been quite a bit of yay, nay, yay, nay over the you know over the last year and a bit. So I yeah. don't think you know we get a few wins together. We're the best team in the world. We lose a game, you know, fuck them all. It's That's just <laughs> it just feels a bit like it. That's it. I'll be screaming. Pot, um, I'll be screaming Scott Parker out next next week. So that'll be fine. Well, we um, all will. We all will. Even if we win. But, <laughs> you, you, but, said, I mean, you said screaming, right? You're going to be screaming, Parker. I'll be screaming. <laughs> but I tell you what, I think uh, I think you're right. And I, the last thing I want is the sort of Fulham fan base to become this sort of AFTV sort of conundrum. Yeah, you know I mean, I don't want it to sort of become like that. Um, anyway, this have your Scott Parker. We're too posh for that. <laughs> what, what would you like your Scott Parker rating to be, Mister Don? Okay, so unfortunately. We didn't get to see if his initial starting 11 plan was going to work for the game sure. uh, with Josh and them. So it's hard to give him a rating based on what his plan was going to be. What I'm going to give him a rating for was how he adjusted due to the red card and still managed to get the team to get us uh, a point uh, from the match. So for me, I'm still going to give him a seven. I still think he did very well. It's unfortunate. I'd love to give him an eight or a nine, but I just don't know what the original plan would have been like or how it would have done. So I still think very well, seven is a good number. All right. Seven for you. Seven for me, actually, as well. I agree with everything you just said. So that's not very good podcast gold. So go straight to you, Morgan. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm just going to go out there and you, you, you're just all pessimistic. I'm going to give him an eight. I thought, you Ooh. know, he, uh, I just, you know, I, the, I had no issue with the team, no issue with Onoma playing and everything else in there. I was like, cool, fine. That's great. And yeah, we were down, you know, we lost a player so early on and, you know, whatever he's taught them in, in the training sessions that I think that really helped sort of yes. dig us in. And I think coming away with a point and a clean sheet, you know, especially with 10 men, I yeah, give him all, I give him a lot of plaudits for that. Yeah. So and, have an eight. you know, have an eight. And he said to the players, well, apparently this is a quote from the Fulham football club. I said to the players, that's probably the proudest I've felt of them. There was something which a number can't measure, and that was a mentality and desire amongst a team, which is the bigger picture for me. Yeah, I think we can all agree. All right. I like the fact he said there's not there's a number that uh, can't measure, yet we've just rated him with a number. 
Well, that's neither here nor there, is it? <laughs> like, all right. B plus. Give him a, give him a letter. Oh, yeah, let's give him a letter. B, 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 B. All right, guys. After this, we'll talk about Hull. Fulham. Okay, Hull. Hull, Hull, Hull. Uh, Hull. Fulham do not have a great record against Hull. Um, from the lovely stats we got from Mr. Stato here. Oh, oh, Morgan, do you know what my favourite... Uh, my favourite meatloaf song is? No, J-Mac. What is your favourite meatloaf song? Like a stat out of hell. And I just want to say that this... this oh so Fulham have, Fulham have won... worse. You, no, no, worse. no, no, no. You, no, 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 no. You missed an absolute golden one. Like a stat out of hell. How did you not get that? Oh, oh I get it. And I love the album. <laughs> Damn it. That would have been brilliant. my age. Oh, man. Very good. Like, like I start out of hell. Fulham have won two of the last eight fixtures, and we have drawn two and lost four. Uh, the last meeting was back in on the 30th of December 2017. It was a 2-2 draw, an AK-47 brace, and match three of our unbeaten run. Now, you know, yeah, the last eight, I mean, we just don't do very well against Hull. And as you were alluding to earlier, Mr. Morgan, with, you know, Borough, we don't have a great record against them. We're playing at home. Is there anything we should be worried of in this game? Player-wise, style? just generally general fear uh, no i think you know we you know we're going out there with 11 players which is a good start um i think I we just that. need to go out there we need to just play our game and i think the problem is with stats when you're taking into account seasons when there weren't many players from the team playing against them it's just kind of it's all about sort of almost um you know fate that we're working with there and I think in this case, we go out, we play and, you know, break them down and we're at home. I think the cottage, since it's turned into three sides, I think it's, it's got so much, it's got a great atmosphere to it. And, you know, obviously the Riverside stand never gave, you know, that much atmosphere, but we're having to condense all our fans into those three stands. And it's, I think it's really sort of, it adds quite a lot to it. So I think, you know, we should be going out there on probably a dreary Saturday afternoon and really sort of pushing for those three points. I don't, I don't know uh, how aren't doing particularly well. Um, I think they're probably mid table, what mid table now at the moment. Um, uh, mid table, but they are sixth in the form table at the moment. Uh, but and we're third. So, you know, we're, we're, I mean, yes, yes, a, yes. no, I think uh, they've got a couple of sort of decent players in their team, but we just need to forget about past results, go out there and I mean, the thing is, we need this home win. You know, as I said, results are going for us, but we need to sort of make sure that we're helping ourselves as well. And Scott will get that into the team. Yeah. And, you know, they average 45.6 possession per game. So that works in our favor. The most common form formation is a 4-4-1-1. And 80% of their goals that they have conceded have come in the second half. And they've scored 50% of their goals in the first half. So, it, it, you know... There is one player, actually, who looks very good for them. Someone that I actually really wanted us to buy a like-for-like replacement with the Session money. Uh, well, like-for-like as in a winger, not necessarily in the left position, but in the right. And that's Jared Bowen. How a Premier League club haven't picked him up this season, uh, <laughs> season four last, is actually bewildering to me because he is now on fire and he is their highest goal scorer at the moment. So that's someone we're going to have to really watch out for. Um, Don, anything that's jumping out to you out of the stat, of, the stat out of hells at the moment? Well, I'll go back to the possession thing. I actually uh, was on uh, whoscored.com, a great place if you want to guys ever want to look up like past stats about 
teams and over their season stuff. And this season, well, you know, their average is like 46% or something, 45% in possession. If you look at their last six games, there are several games where they've had like 65, 68% uh, possession. So right. they do like to kind of play the same way that we do in uh, they'd like to have the slow buildup, you know, methodical buildup of, of play and take their time. The difference between us and them, it looks like they are a little more aggressive than we are. And I hate saying that. Uh, I went and watched a little bit of highlights of a couple of their last matches and they are quicker to go after that ball than we are. We do like to kind of sit back and figure yeah. out things before we just commit. We don't really just attack the ball, you know, um, you guys are going to hate me for this. Uh, I, I never really liked this guy, but I admire the way he played. And that is Wayne Rooney, okay? Oh, and here, here's, here's why. Here's why. Uh, and I always would tell my kids when I'm playing, when I was coaching them, listen, I don't like Wayne Rooney, but when he loses a ball, he's like a little bulldog. He is on that person. He follows him relentlessly trying to win it back because he knows a mistake. He made a mistake, okay? And that's the kind of thing I'd like to see from our players is, you made a mistake. You lost the ball. You made a bad pass, whatever. Get back in there. Start putting the pressure on. Start making uh, them have to cause errors, okay? So I really, really want to see that develop more with our possession. One other thing I will say, talk about possession-wise. I was over at the forum, Friends of Fulham, and there's a really interesting topic on there. Uh, I, I just closed it out the tab. Damn it. It was all about how possession does not, you know, obviously equal in result. And what he was saying was possession can actually be detrimental to how you play. And that by holding the ball, we are not putting in as many attacking passes. We are just doing more square passes. And so we are more susceptible to putting in a bad pass or getting picked off, you know, and getting a breakaway that under Slav, it was slightly better. We had possession but we actually had more attacking passes under Slav. So if you read into what he's saying, that's what's missing under Parker right now, is we don't have, for whatever reason, the more attacking passes, passes finding out the, the through ball or finding out the, the intricate piece that Mitchell's looking for to be able to score. So I, I actually thought that was a really interesting thread, how they broke down, how the uh, slow, methodical possession – is actually a hindrance and not helping Fulham right now. Uh, I, th I think you kind of we can see that from the results, really. I mean, if you look at the sort of what we've the the games we played over the season, and uh, that's one of the things of the, he said, Morgan. Was, well, the thing is, we've got so many draws, but you know, we average probably around sixty-five to seven percent possession a game. So, I mean, it's mm -hmm. kind of a yeah, it's a, a valid point. I mean, but you know, it is the way we play and. You know, I don't think we're going to be seeing us sort of like switch to sort of route one, you know, sort of looking to average out 40 to 50 percent. And the style that we're playing is to wear down oppositions. Uh, it's almost like the old school, you know, hunting back in the uh, back in the Stone Age where you sort of ran after the animal for 20 miles until it died. I think <laughs> it's kind of it's like a modern version of that. <laughs> yeah, <fair enough. laughs> you, you run hull into the ground until they die. Then you sort of uh, interesting you, analogy. Or, or interesting. Yeah. Hopefully, we're not going to get any calls from Peter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but oh, it's really, that'll be fine. 
So they have this other player, was their striker, in fact, Tom Eaves, who's uh, just under six foot four. He's only scored one goal and assisted one, but he is sort of the focal point of Hull's attack, which allows Bowen and Krasicki and uh, Jackson and Veneto to make runs around him. Something for definitely Mawson and Ream to keep their eyes on. I mean, Mr. Morgan, is there anything else or anyone else rather that you think we should be keeping an eye on in this game? Uh, I kind of, I think you sort of you you made a valid point with uh, Jared Bowen really. I mean he's definitely their yeah. danger man. Um, you know he scores a lot of their goals and he's sort of uh, he's kind of the focal point of their play. Um, you know up front. So I think he's going to be the main focus. You've got sort of um, John Torrell as well. Uh, he seems to have played a sort of couple more games recently after coming back off the back of injuries. Um, he plays just behind him. Um, so I think you know we know. Our defence is a little bit weak at times. Um, as I say, Harrison Reed has sort of stepped up into that number six role and sort of solidified it a little bit. Um, but we do need to be careful of making silly mistakes. And obviously, you know, go back to the keeper thing, there is that sort of like slight sort of concern that there is a mistake somewhere in in them or in bets in this case. So it will be bets, yeah, exactly. It will be bets. And, um, you know, I think... We just need to make sure that we we play tight at the back, but we don't, you know, don't be scared of playing our usual game because at the end of the day, it's working at times, uh, you know, more often than not. And we're not losing games. We've lost three games all season. Uh, Yes, they were against teams that we should not have lost to, but we did. And, you know, only one home loss. So I think we continue to push um, and just hope that silly mistakes don't counteract our attacking play. Yeah. All right. Very good. You know, I I do think it'll be an interesting match in in a couple of ways. One, they do play a lot like you said, like we do. And they put one guy up top. They're 4-1-1. Their one guy up top in this case is the uh, Ted guy or Tom Aves. I'm sorry. And so he he maybe isn't as strong or as, as, you know, a good a player as Mitro, but he's playing that same kind of thing. He's going at defenders, trying to split them apart. So it's going to be interesting that, to see because they play a lot of the same type style we do. They just don't have as much possession. So one of the other things that I think is really going to be interesting to see is Parker gets a chance to implement you know, his strategy again, which got torn apart in the last game because of the red card. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see. Harry's probably still not available. So he, I'm guessing we'll drop, you know, uh, uh, all the other reads in there and you know does he keep josh in does he bring knockhart back in or does knockhart still stay on the bench and you know for me i'd keep knockhart on the bench for now and the reason being is because knockhart to me is not being that very smart player too many times he's got the ball and he's very selfish right now and he's going at the goal there were so many times i've seen where somebody was making a run in behind and if he did just put his head up and look back towards the top of the key top of the back box of the uh, box he could have laid it off and we could have had like an easy goal or a better shot on goal. So I'm okay with him sitting on the bench. So it will be interesting to see what is Scott's plan coming out of the gate for his starting 11. Yeah. All right. And I will say also, I mean, this interesting little bit of knowledge here, the recent former players for both clubs, you've got Michael Hector, Sonny Aluka, Liam, uh, Liam Rosenoir, Tom Kearney, David Stockdale, Jimmy Bullard, of course, Tony Warner, Michael Turner, and of course, uh, the Serbian Robin, which is Lazar Markovic. I wonder where he is right now. Do you think he's dead in the ditch somewhere, Morgan? Well, I think he's probably just on holiday, really long holiday. 
Yeah. Although I, I think he, I think he got signed up by someone, but I assume he'd been released by now. Yeah. I don't know why I said that. I hope he, I hope he isn't actually dead in the ditch. No, know. that's that's really harsh. That's, that's that'd what, be, that'd uh, be really harsh. Anyway. Oh, I don't know why I said that actually. Um, sorry. <laughs> let's let's. That was, let's a, that was a bit morbid. Yeah, it was. Let's move on swiftly. Yeah, seriously, um, I mean, we all know that Serbians are slightly sort of uh, they can be a bit sort of. Uh, Tasty at times, but you know, let's, let's not say that they're, you know, going around killing let's, let's their not upset not our, good. Hey, Let's not upset our Serbian friends. We we love our Serbian friends. We do. We do. <laughs> All right, guys, then between you, uh, let's quickly do some lineups and then our score prediction. Morgan, how do you see ourselves lining up? Any changes? Anything drastic? Go. Uh, unless he was, uh, unless Pike was actually trying to play a tactic to counteract Middlesbrough style, I would stick with the same team that he put out there. Uh, to start the game, if he thought that was a team based on merit and not based on tact, uh, not based on dealing with a threat, then I would go with that. And obviously, we'd just see bets in place of uh, Rodak. So I would be happy to see that same team again. All right, and to you, Mister Dunn. I-, I agree with Morgan. There's no reason that Scotty shouldn't try his same team that he was going to, you know, try and play for a full ninety against Middlesbrough. It was unlucky, you know, that uh, Josh didn't get to really be seen again i leave it up to scotty if i was gonna uh, if i was scotty and i was gonna pick the team uh i personally i'd be having J- uh, steph johansson back on the field that's just me i like his style of play his aggressiveness and you know he doesn't have a bad shot on goal so for me he's more in the middle uh with tom uh and maybe josh sits this one out uh I liked having uh, Bobby Reed out there on the on the wing and Kavanaugh on uh, Ivan on the other side. I think again what I said earlier. Knockhart sits on the bench. Same back four. Don't try anything fancy right now. We are at home though. Don't sit back and just let the absorb the everything. We got to be attacking, attacking, attacking. All right then. And score prediction, Morgan. Uh, I'm going to go three-one Fulham. Three-one Fulham, Mister Dunn. I think we're going to win, but it's going to be a little more tasty than that, a little more difficult. I think it's going to be 2-1. 2-1, okay. Um, I can't tell if we're going to lose or if we're going to draw, so I'm not going to say what I think. <laughs> like I've just got a really bad Come on! No, that's, that's just really optimistic there, mate. No. Yeah, man. No, that's just riding yeah, yeah. the fence. We're at home against a t- team or a mid-table, and you're like, are we going to lose or are we going to draw? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Full of ink, Fulham. Fulham's a roller coaster as ever. So let's just see. But I think let's just talk about something positive before we sign off. The under 18s are doing exceptionally well. We are first in the under 18s table at the moment, and Jay Stansfield is scoring goals for fun. That's the Jay Stansfield who we bought from Exeter City. Definitely not Hartypool. Exeter City, 100% not Hartypool that we bought it from. All right. Well, guys, thank you very much to my co-host and thank you to myself, of course, for hosting this lovely show. And if you like what you hear, tell your friends about us. We're on Facebook. We have our own website. We're on Twitter and we are on Instagram. We will be back at some point in the few days time to review the game of Hull. See you soon. Fulham.